Follow it to wherever you need to go. Welcome to your Walt Disney World dream vacation. You know, there's a lot to do here. So you're thinking, hmm, what to do first? How about watch this show and see how to make the most of all the Walt Disney World fun. So stay tuned and keep watching. W Radio. Your everybody and welcome to the WDW radio show your Walt Disney World information station I am your host Lou Mangello and this is show number 208 for the week of February 6th 2011 when we talk about Walt Disney World although often unnoticed by many guests everything speaks which means that everything we see and experience has and tells a story from the attractions to the surroundings, there's meaning and reason behind their creation, and that also holds true for the Disney resorts. One of the very best examples of themed imagineering and storytelling based in reality is at Disney's Wilderness Lodge. From the story of the design, inspiration, and creation of the lodge itself, to the stories that the entire property tells, this week, Jim Corcus and I visit the resort and share the history of the lodge tour the lobby, which has its own tale to tell, and explore the story behind the story of the Pacific Northwest Resort. I'll have a few announcements, including details about upcoming meets of the month in Walt Disney World, then play some more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. much of what I try and do on the show and with the audio guides and the books and Celebrations magazine is enhance your experience when you come to Walt Disney World because I've talked at length about how it's more than just attractions and shows and yes, even restaurants. There are so many layers to the onion and so many different ways to enjoy it and things to take advantage of noticing. Uh, There's stories to be found. There are details that are everywhere that really you need to take the time and stop and look up and around. So prevalent in the Walt Disney World theme parks, but I think a lot of people might not realize that those stories and those details extend far beyond 
the four corners of the parks themselves. And many of those places to find those stories, many of which are unfortunately lost over time, are at the resorts. We all know that each of the resorts is so very well-themed, representing a location, whatever it might be. But inside the walls of those resorts lies incredible stories and even more incredible details. And the magic of Disney Imagineering certainly holds true in one of my favorites and arguably one of the most very well-themed, Disney's Wilderness Lodge. And I happen to be sitting here in front of a, a cozy, roaring fire with a man who's really as cuddly as a Duffy bear and the man who's able to help bring those stories and help bring those details to life. And that is, of course, our good friend, Mr. Jim Corcus. Jim, welcome back. Lou, always, always a pleasure. And, and for those of you listening, Lou did this without that introduction without any notes. I'm just always impressed by that. And it's always a joy to spend time with Lou. And I hope that each one of you listening to these podcasts will have that opportunity to uh, come and spend some time with Lou. Earlier today, as we were sitting in the Wilderness Lodge, uh, we had a, a couple who came up and they recognized Lou and they said, oh, you know, we're, we don't want to interrupt and, and all of this. And, and Lou was just, talk about being as warm and cuddly as a Duffy bear. Uh, just so welcoming uh, to him. And, and Lou is absolutely right. You know, when, when we talk about uh, uh, stories, we usually think immediately about the, the theme parks and, and, and the attractions at the theme parks. But one of the things that Disney does better, I think, than uh, uh, anyone else is uh, the stories of uh, their resorts. And uh, some of us take that uh, so much for granted, but but a wonderful way to to start uh, about the the stories and the wonderful details is here at the uh, Wilderness Lodge, which is just a, an overwhelming uh, I- example. It it was uh, the work of uh, uh, the architect Peter Dominic Jr., who later went on to do uh, Disney Animal Kingdom Lodge and Grand Californian, which are which are also magnificent, but. Um, for me, there's just such a great warmth and, and, and wonderful detail here at, uh, at the Wilderness Lodge. When was the first time you ever came to the Wilderness Lodge, Lou? Not long after it opened, and immediately the thing that fascinated me about the lodge was we talk about coming to Walt Disney World and being immersed in experiences and, and locations. You instantly got the sense that you were transported from the 106-degree, 99% humidity of a Florida summer to the cool, clean, crisp Pacific Northwest. And while you'd say, how could you be sitting in front of a roaring fire, you almost that, that comforting fire that you get in this lobby uh, is so much attributed to how well this resort is themed both outside and in. A- absolutely. You know, it, it, as soon as you turn off and you go on to... Uh, Timberline Drive there, you've left Florida. You're, you're coming into a world of, of wildflowers and pine forest and bears. You, you see a bear crossing uh, sign and uh, you, you go around the corner and you, you don't see anything. The, the Magic Kingdom is, is so close by. The Contemporary is so close by. And you, and you see none of that. And uh, the story even starts on, on the outside where you have the uh, bison topiary out there, which were uh, originally sculpted by William Robinson, who did the topiaries in the film uh, Edward uh, Scissorshand. 
and you take a look up on the roof, and there are five flags. There's, a, there's an American flag, a, a state flag, a Disney flag, and two Wilderness Lodge flags, because those... Uh, that configuration is something that you would see at a National Parks Lodge. And, of course, Wilderness Lodge was based after uh, Old Faithful Inn in uh, Yellowstone and the Awanahee Lodge in Yosemite. And so if you pull out books and photos uh, uh, of those lodges and, and, and take a look, you'll see that it's remarkably similar to uh, what Peter Dominic Jr. did and and his uh, design group with um, uh, the Wilderness uh, Lodge. There's really a, a sense of being in in a different reality, a, di- a different place. You're you're in the Pacific Northwest, and the National Park Lodges. Uh, Stephen Mather, who is the first director of the the parks, brought in uh, Robert Reamer, who is a uh, architect, and what they did is they created what we know today as rustic architecture, which is using what's in the nearby environment in your architecture. So there's a, a, a blending, there's a synergy between the lodge and the landscaping around it. You know, we talk about storytelling, and story usually involves characters and individuals, and we think about things like the story of Pleasure Island or the story of an attraction. Here, the storytelling is simply by virtue of the architecture and the landscape. And again, that that incredible research that Disney and the architects and Imagineers did by going out to all these national park lodges and bringing that sense with them, you know, wanting to uh, sort of carry over that, that spirit of loving of nature that goes back all the way to Walt Disney himself I know that I read that uh, when they went out to do their research, they really wanted to incorporate how nature felt. They wanted to be, and you definitely get that sense even when you come to the entrance. How nature felt at a uh, premium resort. That's exactly how I want to experience nature. Nature at a premium resort. And and you're right, the, the story of the Disney resorts are not so much a storyline of, of this person and, and that person. It, it, it's the story of, of uh, uh, the architecture. And, and the story of the Wilderness Lodge uh, starts right here in the center where we are, the, the center square, which is um, uh, the center of the, the cosmos, the center of the universe. And, and the lines going into that uh, representing... Uh, uh, mankind and and uh, animals and and the cosmos, all of that going into the center of the universe, and then spiking out from there. You'll notice that there are uh, four lightning bolts that go to the bundled uh, lodge poles, which have the animals carved on them, and those represent the four corners of the earth that are holding up the canopy of the sky uh, over the earth. So uh, it. it almost looks like a, an Indian uh, or a Native American uh, rug here on the floor. You know, we've talked and we've done a show about Wilderness Lodge and some of the stories and details, sort of an overview of it in the past. And I've been in this lobby dozens and dozens of times uh, and, and I've noticed some of the details. I'm going to tell you, Jim, that I never noticed that if you stand, like you said, directly in the center of the lobby where there's a sort of parkade floor that you are you know, metaphorically speaking, in the center of the universe, I never noticed how the designs in the floor were meant to represent those lightning bolts. Now, of course, it's that Jim Corcus aha moment. You see the zigzagging certainly does represent that. And again, each one reaching out to these bundles of 
uh, of, of lodge posts, you know, again, with the carvings on top as well. Yes, it, it, it's amazing. And, and I think that's the amazing thing about uh, stories is sometimes we don't see these things. And when they're pointed out, it's hard not to, to see it any, anymore. It, it's there and it's so obvious of um, what is going on. And yes, and, and talking about the wood there, you know, there's four different types of uh, wood just on, on the floor here. You've got uh, uh, Brazilian cherry and bird's eye maple and um, white oak uh, and burl walnut. Uh, you, you've got uh, different types of uh, slate and, and limestone and granite. You've got six different kinds of marble. This is this really is a premium resort. It, 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 it's so lush. But, you know, I, I, I keep going back to those uh, lodge poles with the... Uh, uh, the animals. Uh, so, Lou, do you think those are, are, are real trees or fake trees? I know. <laughs> Here comes the setup, right? I, I know that those, uh, those bundles of logs are, in fact, actually real. Yes, and, and so Disney must have devastated forests, <laughs> right? Not being environmentally correct. Actually, Disney was. Those lodge poles, and it, it took uh, their lodge poles throughout the lobby here. It took 85 truckloads of lodge poles, and, and, and these trees came from uh, standing dead forests in Oregon and Montana. Now, what a standing dead forest is uh, means that uh, the, the tree has, has literally died. The root system has, has, has died, either through uh, disease or uh, insect infant infestation or, uh, uh, for instance, Mount St. Helens, when, when that uh, had that cloud of ash, and that, that killed a lot of forests. So, so those were, were uh, uh, brought here. And the carvings that we see there are, are four, four different levels. Uh, one level, uh, 10 feet, goes up to... Uh, uh, 50 feet, and the animals represent uh, the animals you would see at, at different levels. So uh, down on the on the the bottom level, you might might see a, a beaver or a, a turkey or a squirrel, and and on the very upper levels, you'd you'd have the uh, uh, birds of prey. You'd have the the hawk, the owl, the the eagle, and then everything in between, from you know pronghorn sheep to to, to bears, to, to whatever. Now, each one of those carvings was done by hand by William Robinson, the same person who had done that, those topiaries outside. And um, he worked with uh, Blaine Gibson, the, the famous sculptor. And each one of those carvings uh, took 10 days. And, and Robinson started with a chainsaw and then got down to a rotary saw and then down down to things like knives and hammers and, and, and chisels. And one of the things that I like about it is, is that it's done by a real artist. So th there's imperfection. So it, it's not cast in fiberglass. It, it has that real feel of, of an artist, a real feel of a, a person doing this. So if you look and see, there is a, uh, a stone sort of floor around the outer edge. Uh, it's a rough granite that was inspired by this Northwest Indian designs. Uh, very highly polished, inlaid with designs from Navajo and Hopi blanket patterns. Uh, and these patterns that were in there, again, you talk about being inspired by other lodges. This was inspired by something at, like you said, the Awani Lodge out in Yosemite as well. And that is just sort of one of the many Native, ins Native American-inspired touches that you find, especially right here in the center portion of the lobby. 
And something about the lodge poles that when I was a Disney cast member, I would never suggest people do. And, and now that I'm not a Disney cast member, <laughs> uh, for safety reasons, I would never suggest you do that, even though Lou and I, in fact, did that. When you touch the, the, the lodge poles, even though they're from Standing Dead Forest, they're, they're warm. But you'll notice there's sometimes a gap between the lodge poles. And if you stick your hand between that uh, gap to, to touch the lodge pole in the center, what do you feel, Lou? You feel a difference in temperature. And the reason for that is because that center lodge pole that is really supporting uh, the lobby here is concrete and steel. And that's an old Imagineering trick, that where you can touch something, if you make it real and guests can touch that, then in those areas where they can't touch it, you can use whatever material you want because guests will just assume that it's real because what they touched was real. And uh, as you keep mentioning, this really is a tribute to uh, the Native Americans of uh, the Pacific Northwest. And, and that's uh, especially evident here in the lobby. But when you go into the Whispering Canyon, you see quite a difference. If you, if you take a look at the chandeliers there you'll notice that instead of just Native Americans on that, those rawhide chandeliers, you see uh, cowboys with, with ropes. If you take a look at the back of the chairs, uh, you'll see a cowboy, you'll see an Indian headdress. It, it, the small fireplace they have up there uh, on the grating, they, they have a cowboy. And so the lodge is actually telling a story so that the lobby representing Native Americans, as you go into Whispering Canyon, you're seeing the introduction of, of, of cowboys. As you go into the Territory Lounge, you see uh, the explorers and, and, and the trappers uh, up, on, up above on the ceiling. You see this beautiful um, mural that's a recreation of the, the map of the Lewis and Carroll uh, expedition. And, and you see a flag from Wyoming with 34 stars representing... Uh, what is it, about 1861, because the lodge is the 1880s, so you're progressing from there. And by the time you get to Artist Point, that represents that things have settled a little bit more, so you're having uh, visitors coming out, you're having artists come out, you have writers come out, because they want to uh, experience the, uh, uh, the, the real West, the, the wilderness. So uh, it, it's just wonderfully composed here, Lou. And something I never realized was that distinction between what you're experiencing in the lobby versus what you experience in those outer areas, like Whispering Canyon. You know, as soon as you walk into the lobby, you see it's a grand, very open, seven-story lobby. Your eyes are immediately drawn up uh, because of the poles and then to these four massive chandeliers. And you can see very, clear, very clearly uh, inspired. They look like teepees on top. You can see that they're carved to look like uh, Native Americans and Buffalo, the details on there are different than the details that you find on the ones inside Whispering Canyon. And that whole idea of Native American design uh, and influence carries over to the center lobby because completely surrounded by it, we also find a lot of, and I use air quotes, uh, mm -hmm. authentic, for the most part, Native American artifacts as well. Ab absolutely. And and those, those chandeliers, you, you're right, they're they're massive. A lot of folks don't realize that uh, they're over nine feet in diameter. That's rawhide that's covering them. Uh, those images you have up there are what are called torch cut, and uh, they were based on on photographs uh, from um, uh, 
you know, uh, that time period of the uh, 1880s, uh, inside are each of those chandeliers are 48 uh, light bulbs giving out uh, uh, well over 2,000 watts, close to 3,000 uh, um, watts. You know, it, it's just... Uh, uh, amazing! It, it, it's so beautiful, and, and we we take them uh, uh, so much for granted. It's six hundred pounds, so I'm glad that uh, safety is very important uh, at, at Disney. But but you you know, Lou, one of the things that is um, you you talked about things that are uh, authentic uh, in air quotes because there are some things in the lobby that are. That are very authentic, but behind the uh, registration desk, uh, there are cradle boards, and uh, those are from a, a variety of different uh, Pacific Northwest uh, 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 tribes, and those are authentic, and those have been here since the opening of the lodge in 1994. Um, several things ha- have changed out. You, you have to be very careful looking at some of the displays. One of the displays uh, for instance, has a uh, has a real giveaway because the plaque says "Inspired by." It, it's a crow headdress, and a real ho- crow headdress would be filled with eagle feathers. But eagles are an endangered species, and so uh, they use a substitute of of turkey feathers. So it looks the same, but it's not authentic. Uh, one of the things that, that we discovered by the uh, elevator there was. Uh, uh, a very unique dress, um, and again, there's no label on it, but it is authentic. It's it's the type of dress that um, a young girl would wear as she entered puberty, and uh, it it would be passed down then, just like a wedding dress from from generation to to generation, because it's very valuable. Because uh, why is it so valuable, Lou? You tell me. Because it can t- because the it looks like seashells almost on top. But you let me know that they're actually elk teeth, and, and you explain why they are actually so very valuable. Because elk only have two teeth, and that dress is, is almost covered with elk's teeth. So that would have been something that an awful lot of hunters would have had to uh, bring home an awful lot of elk, uh, you know, uh, to the dinner table to, to, to gather that. So um, those, and, and, you know, something that's not necessarily authentic but something that I, I really love is is right underneath uh, the uh, registration uh, uh, desk is, is that a favorite of yours too Lou well it's a favorite of mine because you know finally Jim my, my I'm a height challenge I'm vertically challenged <laughs> finally there's a payoff for me because me and every other kid in here who's under maybe nine gets to see things that I think most adult guests that walk up to the registration get desk don't get to see we talk about these little hidden details. These are sort of hidden under the overhang. And again, there are some of those beautiful carvings that you find throughout the lobby. Yes, absolutely. And, and again, those uh, were also uh, uh, sculpted by uh, William Robinson. A uh, wonderful discovery just, just for kids. And, and earlier today, we were over there taking a look at that. And over on the top, you see they're worn away because kids will pet those. And uh, one other, here's, here's a secret that you can only hear on, on Lou's show. Go into the elevator and then take a look at the back of the elevator. Usually people don't because they're, they're standing there, they're looking at the buttons. In the back of the elevator, you'll see that there's carvings of two beavers and they're holding this pole to, to swim towards the dam. Again, those carved by William Robinson. You know, and, and 
those of you who are regular listeners of the the podcast, you always hear uh, Joe talk. Uh, Joe, you always hear Lou talk about being um, uh, uh, vertically challenged here, and I keep telling. Uh, Lou, that, you know, uh, it, it's never your physical height, it, it's the size of your heart, and I will tell you from personal experience, using that as a measure, Lou is one of the biggest men I have ever met in my entire life. You know, thank you, Jim, but I'm going to, um, I'm going to be embarrassed and say, you know, I'm probably as tall as one of these two 55-foot-tall totem poles that, again, sort of... <laughs> appears though they're standing guard as you walk into the lobby. Again, they, are, they run almost floor to ceiling. They are beautifully carved. They, are, they tell stories, like everything else, of the Haida Indians. If you've been to uh, the Canada Pavilion in Epcot, they're probably reminiscent of what you'd see outside there. They are two of three totem poles that you can find here. The third, telling a little bit of a different story, but includes Mickey Mouse and Humphrey the Bear. But these two... Again, not only beautiful telling stories of Native Americans from the Northwest Coast, uh, but again, an incredibly detailed story, especially as you walk into the lobby, the, the one that, ha- that bears a plaque in front of it on the left-hand side. Yes, uh, and, and you're absolutely uh, correct, uh, uh, Lou. And actually, they dwarf me. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm a big guy. You, you, you can tell I'm coming into the room before I come into the room. But, and these uh, dwarfed me as well. These were carved by um, Dwayne Pascoe. And Dwayne Pascoe was not a Native American, but he studied with Native Americans. He's very famous for, for carving totem poles, uh, both for, for public locations and for uh, uh, private commissions. And what he did is he took two um, uh, 27-foot uh, cedars and joined them together. So these are... Uh, almost 55 feet uh, uh, high. And again, cedar is the, the traditional uh, wood that would be used for a uh, uh, totem pole. Now, again, Disney, and we're going back to 1992, 1992 is when construction started, 94 is when the, the lodge opened. Um, Disney didn't want it to be a specific totem pole. It wanted to represent uh, some of the stories that were common to all of the tribes of the Pacific Northwest. So they picked some of the stories, and, and Dwayne Pascoe, with three assistants, it took him six months for just one uh, totem pole. And when they were installed in January of 94, it took them five days to uh, install it. As we take a look at the uh, totem pole that uh, you pointed out, this is, this is what's known as the Raven Pole. The one by the registration desk is known as the Eagle Pole. The one by Whispering Lodge here, um, the Raven Pole. And uh, this is a, a story pole. And you tell a story from the bottom of the pole to the top. So that old uh, uh, phrase of uh, low man on the totem pole being the word that that, ha- that has no basis in fact you, you start your story from the bottom and on this one it tells the story of the whale chief and the whale chief had a daughter uh, dolphin and you notice right above the whale chief is a mountain lion the mountain lion wanted to marry uh, dolphin but the whale chief refused and so the uh, mountain lion scraped uh, the chin of the uh, whale chief with his uh, claws, which is why some whales today have those lines on, on, on their chin, on their neck there. So the whale chief called Frog, who is the great communicator, and um, uh, Frog uh, uh, was able to uh, 
be a negotiator, a, a, a mediator there. And so as a result, the whale chief agreed to give his hand in marriage uh, to whoever could win uh, an archery contest. So he made a mark, and all of the animals, the, the, the owls, the bear, the uh, beavers, the wolves, all of that came and tried to shoot, but none of them hit the mark. They came close. Finally, the little wren came and said he would like a chance. And the whale chief said, but the the bow is too large for you. And the wren said, well, I've made my own bow out of a little spruce needle, and I've made an arrow out of the spruce needle. And you can see that he's holding that in his hand there. And he aimed, and by golly, he hit it right in the middle. Well, that angered the other animals. So the wren had to hide in a little knot hole. You see his head sticking out of a knot hole there. And that's where wrens nest to this day. So the whale chief gave the dolphin's hand in marriage to the wren, uh, but they had to, since the animals were so angry, they had to send them away. So up above there, you see two figures that sort of look human, but they don't look human. Those are bear cubs, because bear cubs can transform themselves into humans. And so they were the protectors, and so the wren and the dolphin were sent away to the, this island with the bears as their protectors. And the dolphin had, had such fun. She leapt with joy out, out of the... Uh, out of the waters whenever her husband would would sing and dance. But one day she was very sad, and the wren asked why, and it it was because the dolphin missed the salmon people. And so uh, the wren called the frog again, and the frog communicated to the salmon people, and the salmon people came up the river. They even jumped up the, the waterfall to get to dolphin to see her again. She was so happy. Uh, they danced, they played. In fact, the uh, salmon spawned there. And, uh, of course, the, the young salmon had to swim away, but they promised that they would always return to the area where they, they had been born, even if they had to swim upriver and, and up uh, waterfalls. That's why salmon uh, return now to, to spawn where they are. And then at the very top, it is the, the raven pole, after all, all. Here's part of the story that really doesn't connect with the rest of the story, but, but, but it, it's a very um, important story in uh, Native American heritage, and it's the story of the raven. Because at one time, the entire world was dark. And so Raven saw that Sky Chief kept underneath his box a cedar chest with balls of light in it. And so being a trickster, he made his way in there, opened the box pulled out one of the balls of light, but he was in such a rush that he chipped part of it along the sides of the box, and when he tossed it in the air, it became the moon and the chips became the stars, and he grabbed another ball of light and tossed it in the air, and it became uh, the sun, and that's, that's why we have that. Now, at the Canada Pavilion, next to the mercantile store there, you'll see that there is a totem pole. That's carved by David Boxley, who is a true Native American from Canada, and that tells the whole story of Raven, which I, I, I just summarized for you right now, and it, it, it is authentic, and, and I saw David uh, carving it, and I talked with him, and yes, he purposely hid a hidden Mickey right at the top there, which is not authentic, but, but, but it's up there. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's great that Disney has become more sensitive. When Walt Disney World opened, they had totem poles uh, uh, over there in Frontierland, in that area where uh, Splash Mountain and uh, Thunder Mountain is now, because they weren't there. It was just flat land. 
And so as a photo op, they put up a couple of totem poles and uh, some trees and all that. And uh, uh, some people may have pictures at, at home that they, they took of that. Those were not authentic. And even when the Canadian pavilion opened, there's um, two totem poles across from the mercantile, and those aren't authentic. But, uh, but a, a nice try. But uh, Disney has gotten better over the years. Well, I think what they're doing, too, is they are helping to maybe change perceptions of, of nature and, and our relationship to it and America and what makes America. I mean, this is, you know, we talk about Disney being a place of opportunity. This is another one of those opportunities to learn that you might not have anywhere else. You can learn about Native American culture. Uh, you can learn about the people. You can learn about the way that they tell stories and how that's evolved to how Disney tells stories. Ab- absolutely. And, and, and the lobby it just filled with stories. You know, you know the, the one big elephant in the room that we've been avoiding <laughs> is, is that massive fireplace that is 1.6 billion years old. It's 82 feet high, and uh, it's a recreation of the south rim of the uh, Grand Canyon. And they sent out a, um, uh, a, a paleontologist, an artist, uh, Robert Reed, R-E-I-D, and he took lots of photos and artwork and, and, and even samples. Oh, I guess it's time for us to have dinner. I gotta go. <laughs> you know, they say come and get it, but then they ask for money at the end. It, it, you know, it just just ruins the whole story uh, uh, of that. I love the food here, too. I, I love the food everywhere on, 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 on Disney property. Um, the, uh, the massive uh, fireplace here, 82 feet high, is, is a recreation of the south rim of the Grand Canyon. And, uh, again, Robert Reed... Uh, went, took photos, uh, did um, uh, color studies, took samples. And so the strata that you see there are actually in the same proportion that you, you, would, you would see there as it, it moves up. And uh, one of the things that I love that Disney has done is right next to the fireplace is a display case which has actual samples from that strata so you can you can you can see that and as you go up on on the different floors they have uh, display cases with the strata from that floor including uh, actual fossils and and rocks have have been uh, Im- imprinted into this the fossils uh, some of them are like a million years old you know, and and yet we see guests here running in and out to check in and check out, or or or, or rush up there to Whispering Canyon. Well, she did say it was time for food. So. She did say it was time for food. You know, to to, to get a bite, and 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 they're missing all, all of this uh, uh, wonder, including uh, one of the. Uh, most obvious hidden Mickeys uh, uh, th- that ever appeared in Stephen Barrett's uh, book or, or website uh, uh, right up there. But uh, with the rocking chairs, what a, what a wonderful, you know, uh, a place to, to sit and just veg out. Well, I think, too, there's something, like I said before, that, that's comforting about it. I think it's that, you know, Disney's idea of that sense of family. There's something about gathering around the fire, something that has, you know, been passed on since man first found fire Uh, you know and I think that too you talked about having the real prehistoric plant life in there that the fossilized rock and the samples and the display cases the hundred literally hundreds of different colors that were used and the authenticity that's the Disney difference the the difference is that Disney could have easily just put some rocks together thrown it together 
because 99.9% .9 of the guests will never know how authentic it is. Um, and they're not necessarily playing to that 0.01% of guests who just happens to know the correct strata of the, the Grand Canyon, but it's important to them that the details be correct because there are opportunities for kids and adults to, to learn while they're here too. I know learning on vacation, but believe it or not, it's not, you know, it's entertainment first with some education thrown in. Absolutely. And, and yes, you're, you're absolutely correct. 11 out of 10 guests never see any of these things. You know, and, and one of the details is uh, that Mineral Hot Springs right here in the, in the lobby because Mineral Hot Springs, of course, were, were very, very important for, for people going out to these uh, wilderness lodges, you know, to, because it supposedly had uh, recuperative powers and, and all of that. And so you see that bubbling hot springs there, and then it leaves the lobby and, and, and forms uh, uh, Silver uh, uh, Creek there. And, and one of the things that, that I, I miss... And, and again, I don't know if this is a, a cost measure or it's just because people don't understand the story. They have misters over there that used to shoot out a little spray mist. So it looked like a hot springs. And, and they had a little red light. So it, it looked like, oh, th th this, is, this is hot. And, and those aren't running now. And uh, just like any body of water on Disney property, you see that people are throwing uh, coins in there. And talking about Disney details, are those coins real or fake, Lou? So, again, you give me the softball setup because we talked about this before, and admittedly, something I never realized, of course, I said, you know, they're real. We know that Disney takes money from the fountains. They donate it to local charities. And he said, well, no, look carefully. You know, look carefully at the coins, quote-unquote, that are on the bottom that are very dark. Um, and you explained to me why those coins should not be found in that fountain. And uh, that's because uh, it isn't a mineral hot springs. It's, it's just water. But uh, in order for it to be authentic, the Imagineers took some uh, corroded, darkened coins and they glued them onto the bottom along there with, with the real coins that are, that are gathered up for, for various uh, uh, charities and such. But by having those corroded coins in there, you take a look and you go, oh, yes, it must be a real hot springs. And, and, and again, Silver Creek uh, flows out there into the uh, uh, pool and then out to Bay Lake. Oh, that can't be environmentally correct, Lou. You, what, what were you telling me when we were standing out there? Well, again, it's that, you know, clever use of, uh, of misdirection because it's not really uh, the source being in a lobby and then flows out into Bay Lake. They're actually separate pools, uh, one in the lobby, one outside of the pool area, another one as you go to the opposite side of the bridge, uh, one doesn't necessarily feed the others. <laughs> Absolutely, and 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 I was uh, I was taken by surprise the first time I saw it. I thought, well, of course, it, it's just all flowing there. That must be uh, the case, and uh, you know, uh, attention to detail uh, too. While while we're standing out there, what do you hear? Oh, you hear this? Well, we, again, you have to sort of listen, and, and that's why we talked about doing this. You know, you used to complain early on, saying, oh, my, why do you bring me out, and it's so hot, and we go yeah. into the environment? Because even in here in the lodge, inside and out, it, it's a multi-sensory experience, and the audible things that maybe subconsciously you overlook, whether it's background music, whatever, is important to the storytelling. I sort of analogize it to watching a movie without a soundtrack would be a completely different experience when you go outside and you hear the cicadas, you might not be 
consciously aware of it, but it's important to creating the theme of not of where you are, and I don't mean where as in Disney World, but where in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, absolutely, and, and and so that sound is is pumped in, and you say, well, why would you do it? Because if you didn't hear it, then it would seem fake. It would seem wrong. And uh, we right across uh, from that, we we saw a tree that is not indigenous to Florida. In fact, there's an awful lot of. Uh, uh, landscaping, especially here at the Wilderness Lodge, that is not indigenous to to, to Florida. And uh, again, we don't recommend any of you do this, but we reached up and we pulled down one leaf, one leaf, because it, it was something that uh, the pioneers would actually uh, use as they were exploring the uh, uh, the wilderness. And, and no, it, it's not something that uh, uh, you use to, to, to wipe yourself because, because it would be very painful if you did. If you feel the uh, uh, texture of the leaf, you feel that it's very rough. It, was, it would be something that you would use as, as sandpaper to, to, to sand things down. And, uh, you know, something that we ran across today that, uh, again, a lot of uh, uh, guests... Uh, uh, miss because there's no neon lights. There's no sign to tell you this. Uh, right outside uh, the Territory Lounge, as you are uh, uh, going down that pathway to uh, uh, go out to the the pool or whatever, you'll notice that there's even a change in, in color. It it's bright red. Uh, there's these uh, lighted uh, uh, lanterns and. Uh, so uh, it, it, it seems very similar to, like, the uh, China Pavilion at, at Epcot because, of course, red means uh, uh, good fortune, good luck, uh, the shape of, of those. And, uh, but what does China have to do with, with the story of, of the great wilderness? Well, it has to do not just with the story of Wilderness Lodge, but, like you said, the real story of the building of America out in the Pacific Northwest as this great American railway was being constructed uh, a lot of Chinese workers were used to help build that railroad. So the, the influence, that Chinese influence there, again, you know, nobody's going to pay attention to that, but it has a very real historical connection. And, and we saw that even the railings along the side, when the sun con- comes in, the uh, shadow comes across, and, and you'll see the railroad tracks, all of that. It, it's fascinating. And, and speaking of the, the story of the, uh, uh, the railroads... Um, uh, Luz invited me to do another podcast with him where we're going to talk about uh, the villas here at the Wilderness Lodge, which the storyline there is that was built by the railroad uh, workers. And, of course, Fort Wilderness, that's the story of the settlers. That's why there's log cabins. And so uh, Disney has talked about connecting all of these areas uh, uh, together. They've, they've talked about that for years, but the discussion has come up again. And I think that would be a, a wonderful uh, a, a story because um, it, it blends all together. But before we leave this podcast, I, <laughs> I, I think we would be remiss if we um, didn't uh, uh, talk about one of my favorite areas. Uh, one of the things that makes the, uh, the Wilderness Lodge, of course, different than uh, some of the other Disney resorts is it's the only resort that has a mascot, and that mascot 
is the brown bear. And so on the, on the sidewalks outside, you'll see bear scratches in, in, in the sidewalk. Uh, you'll see silhouettes of, of, of the bear, all of that. And, and the most obvious uh, brown bear is out in front of the uh, mercantile store. And that is a, um, a totem pole, again, carved by uh, William Robinson. And you have uh, Mickey and you have Goofy and you have Donald. And there at the bottom, you have Humphrey the Bear. And I just love Humphrey uh, the Bear. He, uh, he was created in uh, 1950, and he was created by uh, Jack Hanna, who was the very first animator I ever interviewed. And in fact, Jack often did some of the grunts for Humphrey uh, in the cartoons there. And uh, Humphrey the Bear in uh, 1955 was given his own theatrical cartoon series. He was the last Disney animated character to, for that to be done uh, until uh, uh, Roger Rabbit. And, of course, my favorite Humphrey the Bear cartoon uh, is uh, In the Bag, where the bears are cleaning up uh, uh, the park there, and they're singing and bumping their rear ends uh, uh, together. But uh, I'm doing the Humphrey Hop as we speak. <laughs> he he absolutely is, and 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 you know that's why it, it's good to have that low center of gravity <laughs> because you, you don't fall over uh, at at my size trying to do that. I'd, I'd be on the floor uh, uh, right now. And, uh, you know, we, we hope you've enjoyed, and, and again, we've basically just stayed within the lobby. We hope you've enjoyed this, this look at some of these wonderful details, and, and there's so many things for you uh, uh, to explore. In fact, if you go to the registration desk and, and, and ask, they'll give you a, uh, a hidden Mickey uh, tour that you can uh, uh, take. So all, all of the questions are in, uh, in riddle form. Um, just tell me where they are, uh, are in riddle form. And there's like about 37 that you can discover in here. But there's so much more uh, that you can discover and, and, and on the different floors. But uh, I, I basically wanted you to uh, uh, take a look at the Wilderness Lodge a, a little bit differently. And, 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 Lou, thank you for the opportunity of doing that. No, I, I look, thank you because, again, like you said, we're, we're literally just sitting here in the lobby. And I prefaced the segment by talking about the multiple layers at Walt Disney World. And I think what we were demonstrating, and I think this is such a, a great representative example of that, are the different layers. So you can talk about looking for the hidden Mickeys and the introducing kids to a new character like Humphrey the Bear. You can also get a sense of the building of America. You, you hinted to the stories that we're going to tell when we go over to the villas. You talked about the connection to the other resorts like Fort Wilderness. We'll have to talk about Buffalo Junction and, and whether that may eventually come mm-hmm. someday. You learn about Native Americans and their storytelling and the architecture and the layers of storytelling that go on that we're going to touch on again because we have to do it separately. There's a story, a backstory to Wilderness Lodge that we haven't touched on that's sort of separate from the real world historical stories that are being told here. And, you know, we are fortunate to have you here to be able to help introduce us to them because, like you said, we talk about people rushing through Main Street and rushing through Adventureland and, yes, even rushing through the lobby, but there is so much to see here. And, again, we've just sort of scratched the surface, but hopefully when people come to visit, whether they're staying here or hopefully make a special trip out, they'll explore a little bit more and follow the path of the springs out to uh, Bay Lake outside and ask cast members a little bit more 
and see what they can discover. So, Jim, again, to find it, to hear more about Jim, obviously he's been on the show a number of times. Check out the podcast archives. Of course, you have to go and pick up The Vault of Walt. Uh, It is a new book by Jim Corcus where he tells brand new stories I can promise you've never heard before, not just about the Walt Disney theme parks, but about Walt Disney himself, because it didn't start with a mouse. It started with Walt Disney, the feature films, so much more. It's called The Vault of Walt. I'll put a link in this week's show notes. You can visit that at www.radio.com. Click on podcast and click on this week's and episode. Magazine and of course, we are fortunate to have Jim as a regular feature contributor to Celebrations Magazine, again, sharing his stories behind the stories and helping to peel back some of those layers. So, uh, Jim, again, thank you so much for introducing all of us, including some people who kind of sat down as we were talking and, uh, and listened in and smiled and waved and, and appreciated, you know, you just made a difference by enhancing their vacation as well. Absolutely. Lou, thank you so much for making these stories available to, to such a, uh, a large audience. And uh, Lou, as far as I'm concerned, you are the Paul Bunyan of, of <laughs> Disney history. And, and I look forward to our next podcast. You are the raven of the on the totem pole of Disney history. How's that? Let's all bring it around full circle. I think they're calling us over to Whispering Canyon, okay. by the way. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Thanks always to my guest and friend, Jim Corcus. Don't forget, you can purchase Vault of Walt right from Amazon.com. I'll put a link in this week's show notes over at www.radio.com so you can find that book easily. Definitely add it to your library. Uh, We are coming up on just about three weeks until the WDW Radio cruise on the Disney Dream. Very excited. A lot of last-minute details coming together. But don't forget that whether you are coming on the cruise or not, if you are going to be in Walt Disney World, we have two upcoming meets of the month. The first is going to be on Saturday, February 26th. That's going to be at the Boardwalk Bakery over at Disney's Boardwalk. That'll run from about 9.30 until 11.30 a.m. No theme park admission is required. Come by, join us on the Boardwalk, have some coffee, have some breakfast. Good way to start getting ready for the cruise the following day. The next meet of the month is actually going to be right after we get back from the cruise. That's going to be Saturday, March 5th. That's going to be over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And we chose it because it is the five-year anniversary, or dare I say, birthday of the Yeti over at uh, Expedition Everest. So we are going to meet at 1.30 p.m. at the Yak and Yeti Outdoor Quick Service Seating Area. That's in the back of the building near the entrance to Cali River Rapids. Again, we'll do that about 1.30 to 3.30. Then we'll head right over and ride Expedition Everest and wish the Yeti happy birthday together. For both of these meets and all of the WDW Radio meets of the month in Walt Disney World, anyone and everyone is invited. You don't have to RSVP, but if you visit DisneyMeets.com, you'll get a link over to the Facebook pages. You can RSVP there. You'll also find out about other events coming up, not just in Walt Disney World and the meets of the month, But Destination D, our Adventures by Disney trip, the D23 Expo, stuff coming up for the 40th anniversary, lots more. Again, you can find all that at DisneyMeets.com. 
don't forget that I want the show to be interactive. So I love hearing from you. If you have an email question to be answered on the show, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com. If you want to be heard on the air with a question, a comment, just a hello from the parks, whatever it might be, you can call the voicemail line at toll-free at 888-703-2171. Please be sure and come by and visit the website over at www.radio.com. There you'll not only find show notes for this and all the back episodes of WDW Radio, but you'll find our videos, photo galleries, daily blog posts, our fun, friendly, very safe discussion forums, links to Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, all the different ways you can connect with me and the show, sign up for our free email newsletter, lots, lots more there. Again, that's at www.radio.com. Don't forget, every Wednesday night, in addition to the show, I also do the WDW Newscast. That's every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. You can visit WDWNewscast.com for a live interactive news show covering Walt Disney World. You can be part of the broadcast and the discussion as you discuss the news real time and, and ask and answer questions in the chat room while I'm broadcasting live video. If you miss the newscast, you can catch all the videos and keep the discussion going on our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash radio. And I also put the newscast audio only feed in our iTunes feed. So be sure and come by iTunes and subscribe to the podcast there as well. If you are looking to treat yourself to a gift or someone else, don't forget on www.radio.com in the shop, you can purchase signed copies of my Walt Disney World trivia books, volume one and two, both are completely different filled with about 600 questions and answers about Walt Disney World and the descriptive answers at the end give you a little bit more detail. There's also the audio guides to Walt Disney World, which are virtual audio walking tours of the Disney theme parks. So far, I have Main Street, Adventureland, Fantasyland, Mickey's Toontown Fair, and Liberty Square in the Magic Kingdom, and I'll be working my way through the rest of the Disney theme parks. If you go to the website now, you can buy all five on CD and save. You can also purchase them as instantly downloadable MP3 files as well. And in addition to the audio and the video and the podcast, everything else, I'm really a magazine guy and a Disney fan at heart. And that's why Tim Foster and I started Celebrations Magazine. You can come and visit that over at celebrationspress.com. The 15th issue of Celebrations is out. So grateful to all of our wonderful contributors. We've got stories and pictorials on the Tree of Life, Yeehaw Bob, Dino Land, the making of Finding Nemo, the story behind the Pleasure Island plaques from our good friend Jim Corcus, Dinosaur, lots, lots more. Again, you can order back issues, subscribe, and just find out more over at celebrationspress.com. Thanks, as always, to my partners and sponsors, including MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. They are my official and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. Listen, in addition to getting the best possible prices and discounts, on your Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Adventures by Disney, Disney Cruise Line vacation. It's the amazing level of personal service that Becky Mankin, and you hear her on the show all the time, and her team give to each and every one of their clients. If you're looking to stay in a vacation home, maybe you want a private pool, a spa, kitchen, game room, multiple master bedrooms, bring the whole family along. You can go and rent out an all-star vacation home. They have more than 150 homes within just a couple of miles of Walt Disney World. You can visit them over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And finally, one of my favorite places to stay on property is over at the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. In addition to the incredibly comfortable heavenly beds, I love all the 17 world-class restaurants you've heard me talk about. Blue Zoo and Il Molino. My wife digs the Mandara Spa, of course. 
lots of other benefits right in the heart of Walt Disney World. You can go and visit them over at swananddolphin.com. Finally, my friends, and you are my friends, all I ask is that if you like the show, please go out and help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening to the show. Share links on Facebook. And please come by, review the show and the free WDW Radio iPhone app over in iTunes. And finally, today holds very special meaning for me. And because of that, I want you more than ever to feel inspired to start following your dreams and to pursue your passion because life is too short. And once you set out on that path, you can do anything you set your mind to as long as you always keep moving forward. Thank you again for taking the time and listening this and every week. And thank you for letting me share my passion with you uh, in so many different ways. So until next time, everybody, have a great week. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is Greg Grimsley, uh, Doc on the forums, and uh, his obsession in the chat room. From Nashville, just calling, uh, well, to say, first of all, I'm kind of late to the dance, but uh, just got finished listening to show 200. Yeah, I know it's uh, early February, but I was kind of busy during December and January with the show and work, but just wanted to call and say uh, congratulations on 200 episodes, and of course, all the ones that have followed it, I'm still trying to catch up on. Anyway, hope you have a wonderful day. 21 days until coming to Walt Disney World before the cruise and 23 days to the Disney Dream. Looking forward to it. Talk to you soon, buddy. See ya. Hey, it's your biggest fans, Kira and Malachi. Say hi, Malachi. Hi, Malachi. Malachi. <laughs> okay. Um, we love you so much. And we love it. We have an app on our iPod Touch. So we're really, we really love it. And Malachi. Just turned three, and I am 12. So, you call us back, and I really appreciate that. Okay, bye. Hi, Lou. This is Billy Latta calling from Metuchen, New Jersey. I just got done catching up with a lot of your episodes and podcasts, and they have been phenomenal. Episode 203, and you did the year in review, was, was one of my favorites by far. And then I just finished listening to your episode on the Disney Marathon during Marathon Weekend, and that was a delight to listen to. Uh, my brother and I are both runners, and we both love running down in Disney when we're down there. It's one of our highlights and one of our favorite places to be uh, when it is time for us to run. But we love the idea that you put, uh, that you put out of having uh, a Disney Marathon or a Fun Run or a 5K going through the Disney resorts. I know that we tend to stay in Old Key West, and... We like to make our way from Old Key West uh, through that resort over to Saratoga Springs and then crossing the bridge right on over into downtown Disney. And we think that uh, with a little planning, a little consideration, it would be great if you could incorporate those three and then maybe segue into another one or two resorts. It would be a lot of fun. And I think it's definitely uh, something Disney could look into and uh, go with. Uh, hope that all is well, that you're enjoying your cruise, and I look forward to listening to the next episode. Have a good one, Lou. Bye. Bye.